You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. Since Easter Sunday, we've been talking about this topic of living hope. Uh, and we celebrate living hope in the fact that Jesus is risen, and therefore that is why we have a living hope. But it is a living hope that we uh, just don't celebrate from a standpoint of our own lives. It is something that we are to be living out. It's hope. It's not wishful thinking. It is a solid, confident certainty uh, based on God's promises to us that are yes and amen to us. Uh, We are called to live in this hope and also to live out this hope in practical ways. And today we're going to be talking about how we live out this hope through prayer. Uh, As Roger mentioned, this Thursday is our National Day of Prayer. So it was a good opportunity for, for us to focus on the role of prayer in our lives as being people uh, living in hope. Uh, We are called to hope. We're also called to pray. And this morning, I want to look at one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture. And it probably comes from the fact that I uh, first started here at Vineyard Church as a worship leader. And uh, we have such a high value on experiencing God in worship. Romans chapter 12. Uh, Romans chapter 12. The big picture of that Uh, This is, of course, the whole book of Romans. What an incredibly rich and powerful uh, letter that that God gave to the Apostle Paul to give to the early uh, church at Rome, but one that continues to speak volumes to us, and it's so powerful. And if you know the structure of Romans 12, it begins, well, actually, let's just pull back. Romans, the book of Romans. The first 11 chapters in Romans talks all about what God has done through for us, through Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And it's all about what he has done in making a way for us to be reconciled to him, uh, to come into relationship with him. But then in the beginning of chapter 12, there is a pivot that happens, a very important pivot. So it turns from what God has done for us through Jesus Christ to what our right response should be to God's amazing love and his amazing grace. And so that's what happens. It begins with a call to worship, to be a living sacrifice. And Paul tells us, if you read chapter 12, he he says, hey, as we give ourselves living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, this is our our reasonable act of worship, then we're going to be able to, uh, to tell what God's good and perfect will is because we're going to be transformed by the Holy Spirit rather being conformed to the patterns of this world. He goes on in this same chapter to talk about what living this life of worship looks like in the body of Christ. And then uh, down, beginning around verse 9, it talks about how this is to be a life of love. Living sacrifices are to be uh, loving sacrifices. And let's pick up at verse 9. It says, love must be sincere. We are to hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And this is the verse I want us to focus on this morning. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. We're going to look this morning at how these three, these three phrases here that Paul points us to, instructions us on and encourages us to, how they come together to help us become people who live in hope, people who are living in prayer, and how these two go together. Let's first, let's talk about being joyful in hope. This is the directive that, that Paul gives us first. And basically what he's saying is, 
Hey, live every day, every day of your life with cheerful expectation. You had a bad day yesterday. You wake up this morning. What's your, what's your perspective going to be? What is your mindset going to be? How are you going to look at the day ahead? Now, this is not an idea simply about living uh, as an optimist versus a pessimist or, or living a posture of, hey, glass half full. I love what the, the late British theologian Leslie Newbigin said. He says, I am neither an optimist nor a pessimist. Jesus Christ is risen. And that's the basis for our living hope as followers of Jesus. We get to face every day, whether it is a day that's going in the direction we want it to go in or one that's not going in the direction we want it to go in, we get to face that day knowing that God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? And, and Jesus has defeated death, hell, and the grave on my behalf and your behalf. And that is what gives us a perspective of, of living every day cheerfully expectant. It's not wishful thinking. It is it's confidence, confident assurance based on solid certainty that Jesus is alive. The Holy Spirit is with us as we experienced him this morning in worship and that God is at work in your life, in my life, and in all our lives. He's at work in the world all around us every day. And through prayer, through prayer, we get to have a conversation we get to have a simple conversation with the God of the universe. We get to talk to him. We get to listen to him. We get to converse with him. In, in, in the language of our hearts, it's not about learning some spiritual language or some theologically rich language. It is about speaking from my heart and your heart to a God who loves us and wants, uh, wants our heart. He's after our hearts. For the last year, Every Tuesday and Thursday morning, I have felt led to, to do a 15-minute guided prayer time on Facebook, our Facebook Live page. And it started just like, I want to do this, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic. I felt like it was a, a way for us to try to come together as a church family. And uh, I just, I keep saying, Lord, is this, uh, am I done with this? And he's like, no, no. And so a year later, we're still doing it. And I got to say, I mean, I've gotten a lot of good feedback from it. It's not like a lot of people join in or view it, and that's okay, because I have really benefited from this time. I've always loved the Lord's Prayer. I've always uh, I've, I've used the Lord's Prayer as a model and as a guide and template for my own personal prayer life for a long time. But over the last year, it's been really enriching for me. And one of the passages particularly that God keeps drawing me to as someone who's been following Jesus for more than 40 years is give us this day our daily bread. God knows what I need. He knows my needs. But he also gives me and he gives you the responsibility of coming to him with our needs to lift them up. You know, and like God gave the children of Israel the miracle in the wilderness on their way to the promised land, the, the miracle of manna, he wants to do that for us. And if you remember the instructions on receiving the manna was they couldn't hoard it. You know, they'd go out and they see all this manna. It was get what you need for today except, of course, uh, uh, the day before the Sabbath. He would give them enough for the Sabbath day and, and that day. So, but the, otherwise, that was their instructions to trust God, to bring them the needs, uh, bring him the needs of their lives. And he calls us to do that today. I remember hearing an R&B gospel song a few years ago, I Need a Little More Jesus. I liked it a lot. I need a lot more Jesus. And ultimately, that's what this prayer is. It's God, I, I need more of you. 
Jesus, you are the bread of life, and I need more and more of you every day. And I, I, I need to bring my needs to you because this is about trusting you and looking to you versus other things and other people of the world to meet my needs. One of the ways that we can develop this outlook of being joyful in hope and living cheerfully expectant is, is doing what our songs called us to do this morning, regularly reflecting on the faithfulness of God. As, as I've lived 40 years and, and doing my best to follow after Christ, I can look back over the last 40 years and see a wonderful, amazing track record of God's faithfulness. And I'm sure you can too. The important thing for us to do is to regularly take the time to reflect what has God done? Where has he shown up in my life? Where has he brought healing? Where has he answered prayers, giving me direction uh, in a moment when I need it? How has God provided for me and my family? And I got to tell you, as I give time and space to think about that, I can easily get overwhelmed, and I'm sure you can too. Our God is faithful. He has been faithful. He is faithful. And he will be faithful. And that's why we can live every day cheerfully expecting, knowing that the promises of God are for me and they're for you. And they are yes and they are amen. But we've got to take the time to regularly reflect on the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God. Because in the moments of frustration, in the moments of stress, in the moments of pain and anger and hurt, uh, they can easily overwhelm us. And we all need that perspective of saying, okay, today is not going well. I am facing this giant. I am facing this attack of the enemy. But I know that God has brought me through before and that he will do it again. As I look to him, as I bring these needs to him, as I cry out to him for his help, his protection, his wisdom, and his guidance. So we begin by this thing of, of, of living hopefully and, and living with, with hopeful expectancy. But then we continue about being patient in affliction because when hard times come, we can't give up. That's what Paul is calling us to do here. You know, none of us want to acknowledge that, that life is hard. We would much prefer just saying, hey, you know, as a follower of Jesus, everything gets taken care of. And it certainly does. But Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have trouble. And I hear that and it's like, well, but God, I would much prefer, you know, uh, uh, an old Disney movie kind of experience <laughs> rather than apocalypse now, you know? Because some days it feels like that, doesn't it? And we do. We, we want to give up. We want to give up. But we, here we see Paul's word, be joyful in hope, be patient in affliction. And, you know, I've, we've, my family, we've lived a very, very blessed life. But we've had our seasons. We've had seasons of difficulty. We have had seasons of hard times. And when those hard times come, it does force us to change our pace of life, doesn't it? It does. When you're going through a serious disease, when you're going through uh, maybe a financial setback, when you're going through relational turmoil, it changes things. And we're crazy and foolish if we deny that. And so it's important for us to recognize this, this change of pace in our life. It can often force us or move us to withdraw from life. 
And, and it can cause us to in, withdraw from our normal interactions with people, maybe even God. But I want to encourage you and say, if you're going through a season right now of, of hard times, don't give up. And, and where there is a, a pull to draw away from people, particularly the people of God, where there is a pull and an inclination to, to move away from God, draw near to him. Draw near to him. Press in to him so that he can hear the cries of our hearts. He loves us. He longs to be gracious to us, and he will be. Mary Margaret and I got to spend a couple of days right outside Atlanta at uh, Emma Catherine's school state track meet over the weekend. And um, there were a lot of great races. Emma Catherine did awesome. Her team did great. Um, but there were a couple of in the 4 by 400 the long relay races, that a couple of the runners in the middle of their, their event, they're running you know, all around the stadium, the whole track, and toward the end, there was an injury that occurred. And it's just horrible to see these runners, you know, that are running, they're giving their all, and then all of a sudden, you just see something give out in their leg or in their knee or their foot. And, and, and I remember two, two races that I saw, uh, a guy and a girl, they, 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 they were probably 40, 50 yards from the finish line or, or from the place where they needed to hand off the baton to the next runner. They didn't give up. They kept running. They kept, in some cases, hobbling but they kept moving so that they could get to that, that next place. And from a spiritual standpoint, that's what God is calling us to do, uh, to, to not give up, but to continue to draw near to him, to persevere. And patience is one of those words, it's like you always often hear, don't pray for patience. But here's the bottom line, patience is a gift, is, is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? It is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is something the Holy Spirit wants to, to cultivate in us. It is something the Holy Spirit wants to, to form in us. Uh, all of us, including those who are not inclined to be patient people, and I am one of those people, and, and God is forming that in, in me. I, I love what one philosopher put, uh, said it this way, that patience is the art of hoping, very interesting. You know, as we began this series, I was just doing some, some, some word searches and stuff. And did you know what, what book of the Bible actually has the word hope in it? Uh, and, and, and many, many, many more, many more times than you would think. Job. Interesting. If you do a word search on the, the word hope in Scripture, the book of Job, uh, you'll find the word hope quite a bit. And, and a number of times he's just crying out for the, his lack of hope and but, it, but it's interesting to see that. The best way for us to develop this, this, this art of hoping is through prayer. It's through prayer. The incredible gift that God has given us, the incredible privilege that he has given us. And that's why Paul tells us to be faithful in prayer. At all times, we are to pray. In difficult seasons, we are to pray even more. That's what he's telling us here in this passage. God welcomes us to talk to him at all times, uh, including and especially in those times of difficulty and stress and frustration and pain. How has the last year affected your prayer life? What, what you know, when, when you found yourself having to be at home or not being able to go to work, not being able to come together for church or for small groups, uh, how has, how has the last year affected your prayer life? 
I don't ask that in a condemning way. I, I, I want it to be something I think we all should reflect on that. How has the last year affected us in, in terms of our prayer, in terms of our life of prayer? Um, in your program, I have included the name of one of my favorite books on the subject of prayer. It's by Richard Foster. It is uh, the book, uh, he's the guy who wrote Celebration of Discipline. Uh, his book, Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home, it, it's a wonderful, wonderful book that I would highly recommend to you no matter where you are in your prayer journey. If you're a beginner or if you've been praying for many years, it's a wonderful, wonderful resource. And he, Foster writes this. He says, do not worry about, quote, unquote, proper praying. Just talk to God. Just talk to him. Share your hurts. Share your sorrows, your joys, freely and openly. God listens in compassion and love, just like we do when our children come to us. Remember how excited you were when your, first, when your children first had their first words? Remember? And they didn't pronounce them correctly, but that was okay. That was all right. Just the excitement and the enthusiasm of them coming and, you know, mama, dada, you know, doggy or whatever the first words were. Now, I have to admit, Mary Margaret and I of late have wondered, having children that are 23, almost 18 and 16, why do we ever teach them to talk, you know? <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. No, but it's true. That excitement, that joy of, of, of seeing your children develop their speech and their language and their ability to communicate, it's wonderful. And if we, being evil, get excited or thrilled with that, how much more so does our Heavenly Father enjoy that? If we're coming to Him and we don't know what to say except, God, I am so mad. And as John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard, put one of the most powerful and effective prayers we can pray is, God, help! Help! And don't be afraid to pray that prayer. There are things in our lives that we can't articulate in, in masterful ways that, that, that really describe and capture the frustration, the fear, the anger, the hurt that some of us feel in our hearts and our lives. And that's okay. The Holy Spirit will help us pray. The big thing we have to do is show up. We have to show up and we say, God, I'm hurting. God, I'm angry. God, I am a mess. And that's a really, really good first step. We all have areas of difficulty in our lives. Right now, in my own life, I'm praying for my family. I'm praying for our church. I'm praying for our country. That's what we're going to do this Thursday night in that time of prayer as we gather together with millions of others across the country for our National Day of Prayer, just to spend some time praying for our country and our community. And I hope that you can maybe, if you don't have time to actually come and be with us on Thursday night from 7 to 8, I hope that you'll find some time during the day to, to be praying and lifting up our country. You know, and while there are times when I'm seeking answers, maybe answers to prayer, direction, provision, guidance, at the end of the day, here's the bottom line of what prayer does in my life and what it does in yours as well. It's spending time with God. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to do his work in me. And it, it's more about not just getting answers to prayer. It's about the transformation of Reese 
It's about the transformation of Dan or Anne. It's about the transformation of, of Susan. It's about us spending time in God's presence and being changed. And as a result of the transformation in our hearts and lives, we are better able to know the will of God for us and our families and the places in which we have influence. This is, this is what God is calling us to. He is calling us to, to, to be people of prayer. This work of transformation, the transformation of our lives where we become more and more like Jesus, it does not happen apart from prayer, okay? It doesn't. So why don't we pray more? Why don't we pray more? Is it about a quantity? I believe it is. I believe it is. I believe it's about giving time and energy. Why are we not faithful in prayers as, as Paul is calling us? Is it a time issue? It's, do we feel like, again, we are insufficient to come before God with our mere human words, that we're not quote-unquote spiritual enough or theologically knowledgeable enough to pray? Or maybe do we think we have better options for fixing our problems? Could that be the case? In Paul's first letter to his spiritual son, Timothy, uh, Paul writes about caring for widows, and it's just part about how the church should work. And, and one of the dynamics then was, of course, the church caring for widows who didn't have families to care for them. Remember, this is a day and age before Social Security. This is a day and age before insurance. And when uh, women found themselves widowed, quite often they had very few good options, usually no good options. And so it was the responsibility of the church. But um, they had prayer, as Paul points out in 1 Timothy 5, verse 5. And he says this, he writes this to Timothy, the widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. She prays and she prays a lot, and so should we. So should we. What if we made prayer Instead of making it our last resort, what if we made it our very first response to every situation and every choice that we faced in life? What if, what if we did that? What, what kind of uh, consequential things do we think we might see? Uh, yeah, I, I think we would see a lot. The very first song that we put on the play playlist this morning after the worship team finished was uh, the song Generous God that, that, that quotes the passage that, that God will do abundantly more than we ask or imagine. And too often, our imagination and the things that we're asking for are really, really small and minuscule, and God is ready and waiting to do abundantly more than we could even ask or imagine. And he's calling us to take him up on that. Rather than are good options. Well, you know, this person's always helped me out before, or I've been able to go and get money here, or I've been able to get good wisdom here from this person. And that's all good and fine as a secondary, as a secondary thing. But we need to see prayer as our first response rather than the last resort. I'm thankful that I've got so many friends who pray, and they pray for me, they pray in their own lives. I've got you know, friends who are financially very comfortable, but they make every financial decision a decision of prayer. They're not flipping about that. They're not, you know, they, they, they pray about their financial decisions, though you know, they, they necessarily, in, in the minds of most people, probably wouldn't have to from a standpoint of a lack. 
But God has blessed them and he's led them and guided them. And they continue to seek his wisdom and his counsel. So let's make prayer our first response rather than our last resort. We're called to live in hope. And one of the major ways that we can live in hope is to live in prayer, to be people of prayer. And uh, I, I, we pray, and this is not just an exercise that we're called to or uh, an activity. We're talking to a person. We're talking to God through Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and he invites us to come before him. Too often, our hopes are placed in, in people, other things, financial security that we think we have. And I hope that one of the things this last year has taught us all across the spectrum is that our hope, we got to really watch what we put our hope in and our confidence in because things change. We live in in the kingdom of this world and uh, Satan, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's, that's That's his game. And that while we wait for the fullness of the kingdom of God to come, that we, we deal with that. But we know that we deal with a defeated foe because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross for you and for me and for the whole world. And so we get to live in the blessing of that. And we get to enjoy the blessing of that. And one of those privileges is prayer. The very first thing that happened when Jesus breathed his last breath on the cross was the, 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 the curtain that Michelle talked about around the Holy of Holies last Sunday was torn from top to bottom, giving full access to all of humanity, to the presence of God, not just the high priest one time a year, but full access to all of us who come through Jesus Christ. But are we taking advantage of that privilege or are we trusting in other things or other people? Later in 1 Timothy, Paul says this, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I want to leave you with that one this morning and let you just sort of stew on that for this week. What what do you think that means, everything for our enjoyment? That's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? But that's the promise of God given to us. Those who put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Think about that. Pray about that. Ask the Holy Spirit to to unpack that for you. In the Psalms and throughout the prophets, we see over and over that those who put their hope in Jesus, those who put their hope in, in God and the Holy Spirit, they will never be disappointed. They will never be put to shame. And so we can, we can pray, put our hope in God. We can do that in prayer and know that he will richly provide us with everything for our enjoyment. So this morning, I want to challenge you, no matter where you are in your prayer life, pray more. More than anything else, my heart's desire for Vineyard Church of Augusta, its physical building, the people that make up this church, that we would be a people of prayer and that this would be a place of prayer. That this would be something that we're doing in in our secret closets, that we would be doing as we go out and about inviting people, hey, can I pray for you right now? It's both and. 
It is coming together corporately like we're going to do Thursday night to pray for our country and for our community. I want to encourage you, talk to God. Listen to him. See what his word has to say about his promises that are for me and for you. I want to challenge some of you who have have been praying and you stopped praying a specific prayer out of frustration because God has not answered that prayer the way you thought that he should have or would have. I want to encourage you this morning to re-engage in that prayer, whatever that might be for you. Maybe it's physical healing for a chronic illness that you have. Maybe it's for a relationship that you think is long gone. Maybe it's for financial provision. Maybe it's for healing. Maybe it is for just whatever, God's direction in your life. Living sacrifices is what God's called us to be, lives of worship, holy and acceptable to God. Not being conformed to the patterns of this world, being transformed by the Holy Spirit, becoming more and more like Jesus so that we can better discern the will of God. The Holy Spirit's going to help us as we pray, as we are being transformed. And again, know that our loving God will not withhold any good thing from us. Trust in his goodness. Trust in his generous love. And what is the ultimate reminder of God's goodness and his generous love for us. It's the cross of Christ. It's the body of Christ given for us, the blood of Christ shed for us. And this morning as we come to, as a church family, receive the body of Christ and the blood of Christ together, I want to just remind you of of the, the passage later, actually earlier in Romans 5 that Paul writes again to the church at Rome. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, we were still sinners, we were still enemies of God. While we were still enemies of God, sinners, Christ died for us. This is love. This is the loving Father who invites us to come. Invites us to come to him. He gives us everything for our enjoyment. And again, that's a matter of unpacking that and understanding that this good and loving God will give us everything that we need for our enjoyment. Do you trust him for that? What is he calling you to come to him about regarding daily bread for your life right now? What prayer have you stopped praying because God did not respond in the way that you thought he should and in the time frame in which you thought he would. I want to encourage you to revisit that this morning as we come together to receive uh, the body of Christ and the blood of Christ together. Would you stand with me, please?